Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives, and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for, and use Exvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Exvoyant is here to help at this time of crisis. We've put together a sales leadership seminar for sales leadership teams of all shapes and sizes. The current sales leadership crisis will far outlive this COVID crisis we're all facing. And after working with literally hundreds of sales leaders around the world, I've found four levers the most successful sales leaders are adjusting to effectively navigate the storm facing us all right now. This is a one-hour interactive presentation for your sales leaders conducted by me. This seminar is supported by a workbook with key activities you can conduct with your sales leaders, as well as a private website with videos to help you implement each of of these levers in a way that will help you create as much influence with your team as you possibly can. We offer this free for all sales leaders. There are no strings, no asks, and nothing but an experience that will motivate and inspire members of your sales leadership team. To schedule your private seminar with your team, hit me up today, now. Get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by Paul Salamanca, VP of Global Accounts at Security Scorecard. Security Scorecard has raised over $110 million from top VCs in the world and is now one of the fastest growing cybersecurity rating companies in the world. Their data shows the likelihood of any company having a security breach, and they work with thousands of companies worldwide as they help build fortresses around their data. Paul's team is growing faster every year. He has a long history of leading sales teams of all sizes in a number of different industries, and he has a very unique perspective of sales, and more important, what it takes to win in the environment we are in right now. Paul is a practitioner. Paul is a leader. He's still doing the job every single day, and that's why he's a fantastic follow. If you're not following him on LinkedIn, do yourself a favor and start today. I've known Paul for a long time now, and this is going to be a killer conversation. Paul, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Rob. Thanks so much for having me. Things have changed a little bit since the last time we talked. Yeah, man, I'd say that the term modern sales means something different now than it did like 45 days ago, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to get into that. I'm excited. You know I'm a big fan of you and what you've done and, and uh, your contribution to the sales community. I, I, I see great stuff from you every day, and I'm excited to spend 45 minutes or so here talking shop with you today on our show, man. Likewise, man. This is, so, this is great. So for people that might not be familiar with you yet, can you first introduce uh, Security Scorecard and what you guys do for your customers that you serve? Sure. So Security Scorecard, uh, as you mentioned, raised over $110 million from some of those top VCs like Sequoia, Google Ventures, and we're the leader in the cyber security rating space. So we uh, gather external observable information and rate companies on their security posture. So companies uh, that the, the grading system, the grading system is from A to F. So companies that actually have a C or lower or almost 
four times more likely to experience a breach. So there's a lot of great data there. And, and I work with a fabulous sales team and sales leaders and executive leadership um, that can not only help us weather this storm, but continue our growth. Love it. So, so that's a cool company. You're doing cool things there. I, I mean, I've heard a little bit about them. You're solving a super important problem. I mean, your data and your security breach, that's not a shot in the foot. That's a shot in the head, right? And yeah. so you're, you're, you're solving really, really important problems right now. And so I'm excited because you, know, you guys are having lots of conversations with lots of companies all the time. And what we're going to talk about today is, is what does it take to have those conversations be successful today? Not 45 days ago, but today, right? That's right. Um, so, so I like that. We're going we're gonna to play off what your recent uh, successes have been. But to set the table, you know, you've got a really cool opportunity in what you're doing at Security Scorecard. How'd you get into sales? You know, I'm still not finding very many people that said, when I grow up, I want to be in sales. Can you kind of <laughs> just tell your story at a high level and how it ultimately it led to you being where you are now? Sure. So in college, I started my first company going door to door to local businesses and, and with business owners. Um, if after hearing a million no's, I finally got one yes. And, and I said to myself, wow, this actually works. So I spent the money uh, for gas and, and more product. And I realized like, wow, I have to continue to sell because I just spent somebody's money. And after 20 more no's, I finally got another yes. So I started to figure out you're going to get a lot more no's before you get a yes. Uh, and then eventually I had a business owner tell me, Hey Paul, you're actually pretty good at sales. And I didn't know how to take it. I didn't know if that was a compliment or what I didn't take it as a compliment. I thought, I thought it was sales was, was not something to, to actually uh, aspire to be in. But um, as I started to get better and better in sales, I realized that I enjoyed it. I was really good at it. And I know other salespeople who are making a great living. It's a fabulous career. Um, so then I took those skills went into the corporate environment at a very early age, my early twenties. And I had fabulous mentors who, um, you know, before that I was just going off of instinct, but they taught me how to, they gave me a lot of corporate structure. They taught me how to sell the right way strategically, um, and not hope for things, know things. So that really helped me out. And every year just uh, continue to improve my skills even to this day. So I love that. I love that you identified that mentors were important. I think we could probably spend a lot of time talking about a statement that you just made that I, I don't know that I've heard someone say mentors versus instinct, right? Yep. That, that's interesting. I, I think a lot of times we try to be too much on instinct and I, I like that you, um, you give credit to mentors. I, I've had been benefit, you know, fortunate to have such great uh, mentors as well. And I'm super appreciative of them. So that's, I think that's cool that you, that you recognize that. That's, I mean, that's a whole thing in and of itself. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that will help you accelerate, accelerate your development, right? No doubt. And, and I actually saw this uh, post recently uh, by my buddy, uh, Ken Baldo, who mentioned like, there's a lot of people who gather a ton of information, read a ton of content, uh, but then don't execute and don't implement it. But then you have the other, the other side of it too, where, um, you can go and, and take the steps and execute, but you're not really sure if you're doing it correctly or not. So just combining the two worlds, I think will make you a much stronger salesperson. Love it. All right, man, let's get rolling. Let's get into it. We, uh, we've got a lot of stuff that I want to talk about today. And if, I, if memory serves, you and I are able to burn up time fast. So we, sh we should <laughs> dive in, man. Um, talk to me about what you're seeing right now. It's, it's, it's different. You know, it's, 
I don't think sales per se has changed, but I think the way sales is being done is changing a lot. And I'm hearing a lot of things and seeing a lot of things. And I've talked to, to sales leaders around the world. I'm super excited. You know, what are you seeing in the sales world right now? So uh, I think my, my CRO, Bill Hogan, put it uh, very well when he said, true salesmanship is going to stand out now. So the fundamentals of sales is still the same, but it's, it's how you customize uh, the approach. And when this whole thing started, um, I, I put out a video on how empathy and being real and really looking out for the other person, not the other company, but the other, not the company you're selling to, but the person that you're actually reaching out to. Is that person okay? Is your family okay? That's first and foremost, right? And then put yourself in that person's situation. If I was this person, what else would I be thinking about? Once everybody is okay and safe, um, how's my job security? Am I worried about my job security? How can I show my my uh, upper management that I'm actually doing a great job? So you start to put yourself in that buyer's mindset. But, then, but I also said, once you start doing that within the next week or two, you're gonna have everybody say, are you okay? Are you safe? And then you'll just be one of many. And then it'll start to almost sound like uh, part of your pitch. And now people are just putting that as the first sentence in their cold outreach. I hope you and your family are really great. And they don't even know the person and they're going right into the pitch. Yeah, no, I think that's what's happening. Actually, I'm glad you said that because I think we're starting to see that. And so uh, I, I think you picked a great place to start when you said the word empathy um, so there's a couple things that I want to push pause and we're already doing it, man. I, I knew that it was good. <laughs> you know, fundamentals you talked about, but I, I think that this empathy thing has become a buzzword, man. I, uh, I was with my son today and I remember we were having lunch and I looked at my phone and the email that I got, and I shook my head. He goes, what's wrong? Is everything okay? I said, no, I'm just so tired of the shitty salesmanship that people use when they try and sell to me. Yeah. And you know, like you said, they, they're asking about my family and they don't even know me, you know? And yeah. so first, what does empathy mean? When you say empathy, what does that mean to you? So, and, and in all fairness, there are, there's a percentage of, of salespeople who are doing what you just said. They yeah. just want to throw it out there so they can get right to what they're trying to sell you. A um, hard then, turn. Say, how's your family? Then a hard pivot to something that they want to do. That's talk exactly about, right? right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, nothing has really changed except for that first line. Um, but then there, there's another group of people that really care. They want to make sure that you're okay, but don't know how to say it without sounding like everyone else. Right. So it, it's right. that to your point, what is really empathy? Yeah. You want to make sure they're great. You want to make sure they're, they're, they're healthy and they're safe. But now how do you say that without sounding like it's very difficult? How do you say that without sounding like everybody else? Maybe you don't say it at all and you just wait to see how the conversation is flowing. And now you say it at the end. So when I called my old customer, um, we started talking and I let him know that I just, uh, you know, I changed positions and I thought he was at a different company and we started and he changed positions. No. So now he's at another company. So that, that was just a natural conversation. And then once we started to, I started to feel the conversation pick up momentum. And then I said to myself, dude, this is a perfect time to just stop and say, before we get any further, how are you, man? How, how are you doing? Because that, that's how I genuinely felt, right? I didn't want to just be all about business. So I, I think you, you have to play it where now you can't almost can't say it up front unless you really know somebody and find a good spot to, 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 to insert that empathy in there. 
So I think that empathy, if you know him personally, you can show personal empathy. I mean, you can do that and you should do that. It's appropriate. If you don't know him, then I'm interested to get your take on this. I think you could still be empathetic, but it's got to be that you get or understand maybe the world they're in or the role that they're in. Perfect. Um, and, you know, and so I believe that empathy is about creating what I call I get you moments. Now, if I already know them, I can get you because I know you. But if I don't know you, I can still get you if I understand your role or your world. I mean, that's my perspective. What do you think? What are your thoughts? I about love that? it, man. So you just sparked up something else, too, in my mind. So that's awesome. Um, what, what we're doing here is we're flipping the sales process uh, around backwards, right? So instead of focusing so much on the net new, let's talk to our customers first and just talk to them. Find out how they're doing. What are they going through? What would make their jobs a lot easier? What are their challenges? And to your point, that's empathy. So now when you go to the warm prospects, you could talk to them about what you're hearing from your customers. And now when you go down to your net new conversations, you're very empathetic because you've already talked to a whole bunch of people before you even reached out to them. So reaching out to them first, someone that, that's a net new, that's not showing empathy because you haven't done your homework before that. I love that. In fact, I think there's a lot to be said that in this world right now, because a lot of things like people are still buying stuff, but they're a little more cautious how they do it. At least I'm seeing, um, I see timelines slowing down just a bit, uh, unless you're zoom probably, um, or people like that. Um, I, 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 and as I look at that, I, I still think that, um, all those things matter, but I think you're right being focused on your customers might, might be more important than ever before because you can't afford to lose those customers more than ever. Cause it's harder to replace them. Fair to okay. say. No doubt. And second of all, um, those people are going to give you the blueprint of how you can get people like them. Right. Yeah. And so now you get them that, yeah. that's showing empathy. You get what they're going through. What are ways so that people, you- well, let's talk to leaders now. So I've got a bunch of leaders. You got, you know, several thousand leaders that are listening to you right now, Paul. And, and they've all heard lead with empathy, friggin' lead with empathy. We've heard that a thousand times now. And smart guys like you that were first saying that uh, was because it's what you were, who you are. But now we got other people that are just inserting that line in and then moving along, you know, with their cadence or their sequence or whatever they're using. So what advice would you give leaders on how they could help their reps create I get you moments that show that, you know, they get their customer either personally or professionally or however. Um, Just thinking off the top of my head, grab, have a leader, grab one of their close customers uh, to jump on a call with the team to say, can you walk us, spend 20 minutes, tell us what's going on in your world. Um, What are you hearing when, when, when someone reaches out to you, what would actually be your top one or two things that you would actually spend time on? That's um, so good. Yeah. In fact, you could probably get two or three, like a Zoom call, right? And, and have your, your reps, you know, listen to them, Maybe get some questions in. I mean, you could probably ask questions like, what kind of, what, what kind of things get your attention? Right. How do you like to be contacted right now? Uh, shit like yeah. that. that that's, that's a great idea, Paul. I like that. And, and we were even doing this with, with some of our executives internally, just changing our messaging. And we're, we're saying like different executives, uh, we're saying if our sales team goes to market with with this new messaging, um, what would you what would you say to this? And and the response was, well, that would probably be second or third. I would rather hear this first. Yes. X, Y, and Z. You're like, all right, great. 
So now let me ask three more people. And if that the same feedback comes comes back to us, then we know we're onto something. Then we that's leading with empathy. That's really good. I, I think that that's the important thing that if I'm a leader, I would be working with my, my team saying, how do I engineer I get you moments? How do I engineer those? Not how do I say, hope your family's okay. If you know them, then for sure. Like, I feel like I could ask that to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But someone that's a cold call, probably not. Yeah. Okay. All that's right. Really what other fundamentals are you saying? You, you talk about fundamentals first. So Empathy is a fundamental, always has been, but now that one is like, I love what you're saying, how you said true salesmanship will stand out. Empathy was always, it was always important to show that we could get our customers. We got them, not yeah. caught them, but we get them. That's a fundamental. I think that's more important. Now, any other fundamentals that stand out to you as you work with your team? It's so the, the salespeople who are truly genuinely putting their customer first, going back to everything we were just talking about that's probably number one of all the fundamentals, right? It's not how much money am I going to make? How am I going to hit my quota? How am I, like if you're really putting the customer first, then you could start to build around that. Um, um, and, and I think customers now it's harder to have that conversation because everybody is saying, Hey, I know you're working from home. I can help you during this terrible time because you are working from home and everybody's got a, got a situation or a solution and they're almost ambulance chasers. So now figuring out a way where if you are truly different uh, in your approach, in your product, how do you at least have that conversation with somebody? Because now you sound the same, even though you may be different, genuinely different and looking out for somebody, they can't tell the difference between you and the, the million other salespeople who are calling them sounding, trying to sound like you. Right. So now you have to figure out how do I at least have my conversation with my, my, my buyer? Um, so that's, that's going back to fundamentals. Like who else can I talk to? Um, what is it that's coming out in, in the quarterly earnings right now? It should be coming out very soon that the CEO is talking about that I can now maybe look at different stakeholders within the organization to backdoor into my economic buyer. You know, you know, there's a, I don't remember where I heard it. I think it was Doug Landis. I don't know if you know, Doug, I think Landis is the one who told me that this, I'd be interested in your take on this. Cause I haven't, I haven't vetted it, but I know Doug well enough that I generally take what he says at face value, right? Yeah. Um, he said that there was a study that was shared that with everyone working from home right now, um, executives are more dependent on salespeople than they used to be. They actually want salespeople for, for information and, and access to stuff that maybe they had more, more access to when everybody was working maybe more together. Uh, and that really, if we do our homework, like to your point, you just said doing your homework. If we do our homework and we're prepared to share relevant information, we can actually be more important to people than maybe we even used to be because they need it more now. Are you seeing anything like that? Is that, does that ring true? I just heard that a couple of days ago. Um, I, it makes me feel great. I, I hope that's true. I'm All not right. sure. I, yeah. I just feel like um, getting the conversation will be, it, it will be tougher than it's ever been. That's probably fair to say. Okay. So that, that's two fundamentals. Uh, anything else that's jumping out at you right now as you're, as you're working with your team and you're seeing that, because obviously there's some other things that will shift to, but an emphasis on fundamentals, I think is really important for sales leaders because um, you know, I think that there's a number of things that are at risk to fall with everybody working on their own. There's tons of things that could slip. And one of them is the way we practice, right? And the way that we prepare. 
Um, I, I think it's really easy to have that slip and those are cultural things. Um, I think that you're spot on if you say we should be really making sure that we're, we're really reinforcing those fundamentals. Is, is there any, any other things that are top of mind to you in that world? So over communicating, mm. coaching, your forecasting has to be very, very precise now. Uh, you know, because the, the buying pool, the pool of buyers have probably shrunk. Yep. So now the deals that you're working, you really have to, you, you know, you can't lose a loan. If you're going to lose that, that's going to hurt because the, the people who are buying, you have to make sure you don't lose. You have to win over your competition. So more than ever, get your, get your executives involved in your deals. Um, try to get so many different lenses on it. Um, look at different ways to attack it. Ultimately, you own it. Um, but this is the time to do it. You cannot afford a loss. That's a really, because you're right. It's a smaller pool. We got to make sure that we win as many of those that we're chasing as we can. I think it was, again, I'm quoting lots of people here. I think it was Max Outschuler who said it to me. I tell the people that it's a fireable offense to lose a loan. And uh, so true. Yeah, he said, it, he said it was a fireable offense to lose a loan. And I, I love that. You know, when I was, when I was uh, working with a different organization that had about a thousand reps in the financial institution world, uh, I, I did a ton of win-loss uh, work. I looked at all the wins and losses. And our win rate, no kidding, was almost 30 points higher when we had senior executives involved than when they just went on their own. Wow. And so it wouldn't be like that for everyone, obviously, but in that case, that's what it was. And so I'm with you. And, and that's a big one. I think there's a lot of reasons why people don't like to, to bring people in. Sometimes they look, they're lone wolves. Sometimes they feel like that's their job. They're supposed to bring them in. What can leaders do to make it easier to be, to be, to, to be involved in deals? Obviously you don't want to take it over, but how do you build a culture like that? How do you, how do you make that easier to do? Especially if, or again, we're distributed everywhere. So I can't take credit for the culture here that, that was built before I got here at security scorecard, but the culture okay. here around sales is hey, let's all win together. One scorecard, right? So yeah, you may be involving other executives on your deal. We'll give you different perspectives on it, but it's still your deal. So right. don't, yeah, you, you may get more and you may be able to run faster just by involving people earlier uh, as opposed to, to bringing something up where it may be too late to pivot or to, to bring up new ideas. So I think that's important where the rep can feel comfortable knowing that if they bring, bring a deal up, that executives aren't going to expect that deal to close within 45, 30 days. Okay. So all those, those are good fundamentals. I couldn't agree more. I think the over-communication one is a big one. However much you used to uh, communicate, I don't know if it's times half or it's times two or times something, but you need to communicate more when you don't have the opportunity to be around people as much, I would say. No doubt. And, um, and sometimes I think leaders are afraid that they're going to come across as micromanagers. Um, Cause I hear that a lot. They're like, Hey man, these are professionals. I don't want to babysit them. Any thoughts around, you know, that concept or ways that you can over communicate and still be high impact rather than uh, high annoyance. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it also has a lot to do with the rep too. So at, this is the time where the rep should be a little more proactive than usual, right? Because you're right. Uh, a good leader doesn't want to, um, micromanage, right? But now you, now you're almost forced to look at things a lot closer than you did before. So, um, I would prefer if the rep took the initiative to do that because it will happen. 
with a lot of good sales or organizations. Leaders will be more involved. They should be. Love it. This is good. Um, how have you seen prospecting change in the last 45 days or has it? Um, net new again is going to be really tough. Net new conversations, right? So deals that are in flight seem to be, seem to be running, right? Deals that are in flight seem to be going well. Um, customer, existing customers, existing upsell opportunities. So it's the net new conversations that are going to be really tough because of everything that's going on. Everybody's saying the same things. Um, not sure if you should reach out because there's some industries that are absolutely devastated right now, but you still have those industries that are doing really well. And those industries should be buying now more than ever. Um, so it's just, how do you, how do you just get the time to talk, to have a real conversation? That's going to be the key to prospecting. So I'm interested in your thoughts on this. I found that for me, the key to prospecting is comes down to situational fluency. You know, how well do you understand the situations that your customers are in? And, you know, like I, I use like hotels as a good example. So I can be, when I'm a business person on business travel, you know, there's a few things that I like and I look at when I'm uh, couples, that's time to celebrate. I'm a lot less price sensitive. The more remote, the better. When I'm on business travel, I want convenience and I want points and I want, you know, free internet. When I'm on couple, that's time to celebrate. I want remote. I, I, I want high end, you know, I'm thinking about spas and shit like that. Um, and so I see that situations drive behavior. Yeah. And I think that the situations are starting to change. And I think it's important for leaders to say, are the use cases that we used to sell to still valid sure. or have the use cases changed? Because that will then go to does, does even our ideal customer profile change, right? Yes, and I'm seeing customers that are finding the use cases in today's world and doing a great job of it. And I'm seeing people that are holding on to old, less important use cases. What used to be must have in some cases has turned nice to have in this environment. Any yeah. thoughts around like keeping your eyes on ways to stay must have? Uh, well, now to your point, what are companies looking to do? They're looking to do more with less. They're looking to extend runway. Right. So how do, how does your messaging now, maybe your old messaging had nothing to do with that, but how, how, how does your new messaging tie into that? And does it now become more important than your old messaging or is there a combination of both? Yeah, I think it's a combination of both, but it'll be different for everyone. You know, I mean, I, 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 I've seen so many good examples and I've seen so many negative examples and I'm a, so I'm a CEO of my company, but I'm also involved in the sales process for my company and I'm finding that we are spending tons of time trying to be really relentlessly focused on what are the new use, use of situations that we should be first to address. And, yeah. and that's helping us. That's the, that's, awesome. that's, that's helping us. And so I was, I was just interested if you're seeing any of those things or if, or if that's, if that's relevant to what you do. Cause for me, it's, it's certainly been relevant on how people engage me, but also how I help our team engage others. Always want to look, always want to look a step or two ahead. And then it gets to the point where, okay, once you're strategizing and creating new messaging to your point, and, and it, sometimes you, you just have to go out and do it. Like stop, uh, it gets to a point where you just have to start executing because that's going to be the best feedback loop based on, on the conversations you're getting back. Well, maybe this isn't the right approach, right? Or maybe we should tweak this. Um, so I think, when you start to think a move or two ahead, it can get pretty easy to keep thinking and strategizing when sometimes it's, it's better to, to be 
uh, one step instead of two steps ahead and go test it out uh, with the market. All right, I'm going to shift again. I, I got another one. As I listened to you, you made me think of something, dude. And uh, so I'm thinking now of sales leader. You're a sales leader. You're a great sales leader. You've been a sales leader. Sales leaders are listening to this. How do you as a sales leader help your reps be confident right now? Right? I think confidence is one of the most important things a salesperson needs to have because, you know, confidence helps you want to, like you said, you did 20 no's before you got your yes. When you're telling me your story in college then 20 more before you got it again. And uh, right now with, you know, a lot of question marks in the air, any, any suggestions on how a sales leader can help their reps create confidence? That's a great question. And I'm not going to say that I know all the answers for sure, I'd love to love to bounce some ideas off of you live yeah. as we're going through this. Um, but the first thought that comes to mind would be um, small wins. Doesn't necessarily have to be uh, deals closed, but small wins, meaning um, getting a new stakeholder involved that we've been trying to get, right? Or love that. Uh, or having have, uh, building having the champion agree to build a new business case together to present to the economic buyer um, just little wins like that that will eventually lead to a deal um, but just starting to feel good that whatever you're doing is working little by little baby steps i think that that's the thing i i think that there's going to be a lot of orgs that when things break free. They're hoping it's going to be like Wayne's world. Do you remember that show Wayne's world? Or is that, yeah. do you remember the scene when, when they're playing hockey in the street yep. and they're out there and a car comes, they yell car and then they pull the hockey goals out. And then what do they say? They say game on, game they, on put yeah. the, they put it back out there. They start playing again. And then a car comes car. They got, so I think that we got a lot of people that are hoping that when people say game on, it's going to be just like it used to be. And so I think that the activities you do and the ways you engage and the conversations you have this month, the next three months are going to dictate what happens this year, the next three years. Yeah. And that's why I think sales leaders got to keep their people confident and pointed in the right directions and cannot afford to let it be a staycation because when they say game on, it ain't going to be all of a sudden things were just exactly where it was when they said car, right? Right, right. And that one game on comes, you should already be running full speed, but it's almost taking the, the ankle weights off of your feet, right? So you're still running full speed, but when they say game on, that means we're taking the ankle weights off. Um, but yeah. if you just start, decide to start running at that point, it's too late. So for a sales leader, um, I, I, I think that, you know, sales is very similar and some of the mechanics and the fundamentals are now having a spotlight on them. And there's probably some new mechanics that we need to develop. An obvious one is you better get really good at using video. Obviously. Um, I, I think you got to get really good at how you use time. And I think time blocking is more important than it's ever been. Uh, I think transforming customers from spectators to participants has never been more important than it's ever been. Um, anything as you're sitting here and you're talking to our leaders, is there like two or three things that as a leader in this environment, you really need to make sure you're doing right? Um, to your point, I mean, time blocking is great for meetings and everything, but also blocking out time to just get out of the house, go for a walk. And, and, you know, my CEO does a great job of promoting that too, because especially now I was just talking to somebody, um, you feel like 
before you could tap somebody on the shoulder. Now you have to set up a 10, 15, 20, 30 minute Zoom call. Next thing you know, your calendar is packed. Um, so here I'm in the basement of my house. There's some times where I feel like I never leave. So it's important and I have to do a better job of this, just blocking out time, going for a walk, spending time with the kids. Um, I, I think that's, that's very important that, that our leadership does a good job of. I think that's smart. I think that's good. Um, any, anything else along those lines? I, I, cause I really like that. I think that uh, people have to see a clear pathway to success and we don't want, I, again, I, this, this makes me laugh. We, I was, I had the opportunity to be on this USA versus UK kind of sales debate recently. I don't, I don't know if you saw any of that. I saw the promos for it. I heard we won. We did. Good guys won. And, uh, <laughs> and one of the questions was, was about selling in a pandemic. And one of the answers the other team said was it's more of a numbers game than ever before. And we lit him. In fact, Richard Harris, my good buddy, wouldn't even let him finish his answer. He just told him <laughs> to shut up right then. <laughs> because, awesome. yeah, because I just disagree. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm, I'm thinking about is, you know, the day of X number of dials. I mean, we still got to be active, but I think it's creating X, you know, it's not even X number. It's, it's creating meaningful, I get you moments with customers and then finding ways to stay grounded. You know, I, I think that that's important part right now too, because it's so different right now. Yeah. And, and to back to what we were talking about before the show is um, creativity. So not so much the quantity, but creativity. Talk so, about your thoughts on that. I'm interested what, when you say creativity, because I'm starting to hear more and more about that. Can you, can you kind of share some of your thoughts about why that matters? Right. So the old approach would be, let's create some cadences. And I'm not saying to, to not do that, but um, you, you'd have a percentage that would convert. And um, now if you, if you try to do that, uh, as opposed to, all right, instead of me making X amount of outreaches, let me find a way to spend some of that time thinking about another way where I could actually get in contact with the right person I'm trying to have a conversation with. Um, again, it just goes back to to, to finding out maybe there's a back door or a side door instead of doing the same things, because I feel like everybody is doing the same things. Everybody's saying the same thing. Everybody's saying, Hey, I hope your family is doing well. You may mean it, but now you still sound like everybody else. Really good. Okay. Any other, I mean, I talked about some cute, right? The quarterly earnings, there are going to be some great nuggets coming out pretty soon about that. It's a great way to spark some creativity there reading through the call transcripts. Um, anything else that I'm missing? No, I mean, creativity is different for everybody, depending on who it is. I, I think creativity applies in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I think it even applies to finding those new use cases. I, I was sharing this in a presentation I give, gave. I, I've been doing a lot of, instead of being on the speaking circuit for companies, they're asking me to do Zoom meetings for them right now. And I'm doing a lot of, of presentations to sales leadership teams or sales teams. And I'm talking a lot about use cases. And here's one that, that I'll share with the podcast. Uh, as a guy who used to travel all the time, I, I had multiple of those little chargers, that, those little small chargers for my, my mobile device, right? Yeah. And so Charge Tech, I had a couple of them. So I'm on their, their email distribution list. Well, I got an email from them a couple of days ago, not selling uh, their latest charger for my pocket or my backpack. It was a big beast. And you know what it was for? It was for powering whole workstations outside. It said, this is your cure for cabin fever. And so we've got a charger so you can take your computer and a monitor and a printer and all the other stuff you want to the park or outside 
or wherever, just get wow. out, you know, it was, I thought that was really creative. It was, it, that was, it was creative. A, yeah. You know, another company that was in the chemical space, um, when that, when this whole thing started coming down 45 days ago, they were struggling and they were actually got a bridge loan just to stay alive because like, they didn't have distribution. But when they saw that hand sanitizer was impossible to buy, they started making hand sanitizer from their, from, from their chemicals. Yep. Uh, that was good. But then they found a way to make it airborne so they could put it in spray bottles and they would sanitize the air that you breathe. And now what they're doing is they're putting them in diffusers so you can have sanitized air in your office while you work. Wow. And, and their pipeline has blown up. Like I'm told in the last 45 days, 93 million, a new pipeline. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's like 21 day sales cycle. Yeah. And, what about the company that's, that's making tents, right? I don't know how good that business was. I'm sure it was doing okay, but now they're making tents for hospitals, right? So they could do the. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm talking about. Find them. What are the new use cases that, so yeah. sales leaders should be thinking, look at the problems that we've been good at solving and look at the results we've been good at achieving. And we should be talking to our customers and get creative about how we use, help people solve problems that may matter now that didn't before, right? And yeah. I think that's a super important part of creating confidence, having people ha have a reason to have activities in their mind. I think activities matter maybe more now than ever. Because it's a way of knowing that, you know, I'm executing on whatever this well-lit path to success is. I just don't think that I, I'm a counter of, of, of calls like I, you know, I just, I just don't think that's right right now. So, I mean, the world's changed. So you can't yeah. keep doing the same thing, expecting the same results. I'm with you, man. Okay. So what do you think the biggest mistake you see sales leaders making right now is you see what's going on in the world? Is there, is there anything you'd say, whatever you do, stop doing this right now? Stop pretending that um, nothing's changed, right? If, you, if you're going as business as usual, same target, same, uh, same speech as you did 60 days ago, that's a problem. The, the reps are going to see through that. The reps are going to feel like, I know I could still sell, but the environment has changed. We're in our houses. We can't go out, right? Our buyers are home. Uh, people are saying a lot of the same things. And um, there is going to be a dip maybe this quarter. So, so for, for leaders to proactively, and many of them have probably already done this already, to proactively get ahead of that and say uh, what the reps were thinking ahead of time just adds a ton of credibility. So now you know you're on the same team. Like you're not expecting to hit home runs when you're playing, uh, playing with, with a wiffle, wiffle ball bat. Right? So we could say, Hey, just try to try to make some bunts here until, uh, you know, until uh, the next inning. And then we'll give you, we'll, we'll give you a real bat. What are you seeing happening to cycle times right now? Tail cycles. Yeah. Um, Cause you'd said quit acting like nothing's changed. So I'm interested. Have you seen our cycle times the same or have they changed? Uh, maybe for you, they haven't. I'm, I'm interested in just what you've seen and, so again, I feel like um, it depends on the company, on the industry, but I would think, I think the data is too early to tell that the sales cycle has gotten longer, but maybe yeah. quicker on the opposite side with existing customers who realize they now need to have a bigger need for what you're selling. So they want to buy more faster. So that's again, it, it's, it's usage situation again. Measure, yeah. Different way to measure it. That's insightful. I, I think that's important for a leader because I, I think that what comes down to is you and I are talking about, I'm uh, thinking about the theme of our conversation. I love your emphasis on true salesmanship will stand out and an emphasis on the fundamentals that, that have always mattered are going to matter more than ever. 
Um, a leader's job is to create confidence. And there's a few things we can do to do that. But one of them is, you know, what's normal? I mean, what is normal? I mean, knowing what you should expect the cycle time to be is really important part of being a good leader because there's only four kind of core drivers. It's number of opportunities you chase, average deal size, your win rate, and the cycle time, the speed. Yep. And, and I've seen, at least in the enterprise space, cycle times are seeming to slow a little right now. You know, I'm seeing a couple of months change in enterprise is what it's appearing to me. Could be wrong. It's, it's too early, but it's different for everyone. Again, I've said Zoom. If you're Zoom, I don't think that's the case. Right. <laughs> and so, but I think that's an important part of confidence is to be able to say, listen, we're going to create a well-lit path for success. And as these things are changing, I guess that's one of the things I want to pick your brain on is how does a leader find, you know, what can I call normal or normal is the wrong word. What should the expectation be? How do I create a well-lit path for success for my reps when seemingly so much is twisting inside out, outside down? Any thoughts? Um, just sharpening the ability to execute, right? So I think we talked about the buyer pool shrinking. So yeah. knowing that somebody's willing to buy, ready to buy, or thinking about buying, uh, because you get them and you, you, you're showing true empathy and you have something that they need, not losing it and figuring out what can you do to, to, to bring that deal in before your competitor does, if, if they're buyers. Okay. Love it, man. Um, speaking of your reps, are, you know, without naming or anything like that, I mean, what have you seen? Have you seen salespeople change at all? Because you work closely with, with reps and salespeople in general, and you've got a great community of people. Have, how have you seen this affect salespeople? That's something we haven't talked about much yet on my show. And I, and I think it's an important one for our show. Yeah. And I, I, I think for the most part, it's, it's again, going back to what we talked about before the show, you asked me how I was doing and I felt like, um, yeah, every time I'm about to complain, I stop myself because I really don't have much to complain about in the grand scheme of things. I'm healthy. My family's healthy. Right. So in sales, it's, I feel like the, the same, the same situation where a lot of the reps, yeah, things aren't perfect, but at the same time, they're still winning business. They still have a job. They're still living. They're still healthy. Their family is good. So um, I think, right. It's, it's the same situation, right? When you're about to complain, you stop yourself because you really have nothing to complain about. I love it. I think one of my favorite things we talked about today are some of your ideas on how do we create confidence? I, I find myself keep going back. I loved your idea of, of having customers talk to your reps right now and talk to them about what would work and what do they care about. And, and um, I think that's something that every sales leader should do. Set up that Zoom call, get one customer or maybe two or three and do that with some frequency so you can ask them about usage situations and create confidence. Because I think, tell me what you think, your customers want you to be successful. They've already bet on you. They need you to stay successful so you can help them. I mean, that's a great point. Is that that's, a fair, is that a fair lens to look through? That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even think about it that way, but that's so true. Well, they want you to um, ultimately, I think that that's something that every sales leader should do like immediately. Uh, I, I'm kind of mad that I never thought of that to be honest with you, Paul, nice work, bro. <laughs> yeah. Like people want to help other people out too. Yeah. Especially if they're a great customer, right? And they, they like you, they, they like the, the sales rep that they're dealing with. Um, so we've done that a couple of times and it's been very helpful. Okay. Um, anything else? I mean, as you just look at the, the world, the sales world right now, is there anything that you're, that you've, that's top of mind for you or that you're noticing or you're saying, 
wow, that's something that uh, is important for me as a leader. Because, I mean, you've got a pretty important team that you lead for your group, global accounts. You're talking about some key accounts, right? So right. Uh, anything as you're looking at them that, that is worth mentioning for our listeners as they're, they're kind of scratching their heads just like you and I are, are with our teams? I'd love to get your, your opinion on, um, I just heard about this. I'm starting to hear about potentially moving SDRs or BDRs from uh, net new logos to channel. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know why you wouldn't. I think, I think actually the hardest part of any sales job is getting the opportunity started. I think the prospecting part is the hardest part of the job personally because of all the things you said, right? You have to find ways to connect without being an asshole. You have to have people, like I've always been one of those guys that said, but you go through all this work to find someone, get them to trust you, have them say, this person I like to work with, you know, this guy, Paul has been hounding me, calling me, he connected yep. with me. He cut through the noise. He got a meeting with me. I kept it. Oh my gosh. You know, he blew my mind. He's so cool to work with. And as soon as we get through that first time, Paul says, now I'm going to hand you off to someone else that you don't know. Okay. Right. And, and, <laughs> um, and so I'm one of those guys that says, man, if you can do that job, I, I think you can certainly do the rest of it. And so moving into the channel, I mean, those people, count me as one of the people who say the SDRs are some of the most valuable team members any company has because they are doing tough work. And, uh, and, and I'm one of those guys that says, let them go full cycle even. So, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's good. Yeah, that's anyway, interesting. That's me. I, I, I think that finding is hard. And I think that in a time like this, it's good to that point, your point of fundamentals, Paul, I, I think that there's a lot of people who, I've hired people from large companies when I was at a different company because I thought, you know, I, for these people, I know that they have a good, they, they're good at sales. And when I hired their AE, if they didn't have every single thing lined up for them, the right pieces of content, the right lead sources, the right everything, they would put their hands up and say, I can't work in this environment. Right? <laughs> I've never heard that before, dude. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so what have I found? The ability to find your own business is the most important skill a salesperson can have. I love it. And at a time like this, you know what, man, I'm the senior citizen around my company and, 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 and most places where I go, I've been around for a while, but I've kept my, my skills sharp. And when it got tough, when we started having people slow down, I picked up a bag. I went, I went out and in just a few weeks, closed a couple of deals that were net new to our company. And, That's awesome. And I gave other people shit all along the way. I'm like, Who's your daddy now? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah. And so I, I think that that's important. I think that we need to be able to keep doing the job as a sales leader. If there was ever a time that we need to be able to give a well-lit path to success, I think it's now because not we are better than them or we can outsell them, but we can do the job. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. And, and then we can be more helpful. Then we can demonstrate. You know, there's a lot of great sales leaders everywhere that – most of the time they were good at selling first and then too often they let the ability to do that job kind of pass them by. And when I start to feel like I'm heading down that path, I have to do something to get me closer to the game, get me yeah. closer to the groundwork. It's just who I am. It's in my DNA. Right. So I agree with you, especially during this time. It's, it's actually pretty interesting. It's almost a challenge. It is a challenge to figure out what, what is it that will make us stand out? What is it that will get us the time? What is, what's the message that will change just so slightly that will probably make a bigger difference than our old messaging? So I think that's it, man. I think in a world right now, 
we have a responsibility of leaders to emphasize the right fundamentals. I'm, 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 I'm channeling my inner Paul. I'm looking at my notes with you, okay? Chan- you know, emphasize the right fundamentals, create that well-lit pathway to success. I think it's super important that we, that we aren't armchair quarterbacks. I, I, think, I see a lot of that right now, Paul. I see a lot of armchair quarterbacks out there where they're leaders that say, we'll do this. And I've got like Jepson's, sometime I'll go, I've got Jepson's 21 laws of sales and I've got Jepson's 23 laws of leadership. And, um, and one of my leadership laws is, is uh, leaders on pedestals make easy targets. And, um, and so we shouldn't put ourselves up on the pedestal. We need to be able to demonstrate that we can still do that job, man. Yeah. We can make those calls. I, you know what, when it's time for, a, you know, if we're going to have a, a, you know, if we're going to be making calls, I'll give me some, I'll, I'll go find, I'll go make 10 calls. I'll, I'll go queue up two deals for somebody, right? Dude, Who wants my deals? Well, you're, you're talking to a rep and you're like, why aren't you asking these questions? And then the next time they hear you on the call, you're asking the questions so they could hear you asking. You're not That's scared right. to ask those questions. That's right. And, and then the last thing that I wrote down that I really liked that you mentioned that we might not have paid enough attention to is I liked your, your concept of celebration and finding things to win. It might not be a closed deal, but it's like, you did this right. I think that as we separate and we're working everywhere, I think that we, it's hard to ring the gong if we're not all in the same room, right? And yeah. uh, we yeah. should be finding ways to ring that gong because I think celebration creates confidence as well. That's right. That's a great, a great point. And it's tough to do. What do you do? Virtual, uh, no, man, it's tough. It's, we, we got to get creative on that, that front too. How do, you, how do you creatively celebrate where everyone feels great? Right. So those are the things that I, I, I appreciate. It's been good, man. Let's, let's shift into uh, the way I start to wrap up all of the conversations. And, I, and I, I'm excited to get your take on some of these things. Uh, question one is, what's the biggest sales leadership challenge that you see and how do you beat it? So right now, the, the biggest challenge is forecasting, right? How do we know how accurately to forecast when we're up against something that we've never faced before? Right? How do you beat it? How do you beat it is you um, get closer to uh, the team. You get closer, uh, over-communicate. You um, ask the right questions over and over. You just look at the deal in different, in different ways, right? In so many different angles. Do you, when do you call bullshit on a forecast? Is there any kind of like radar that pops? Cause I mean, this is important because I think this, that you got a good perspective. I, I can't wait to get your take on it. But last year, only 46% of the deals that were put into commit actually closed. So that means 54% did not. And so yeah. it's not even 50, 50, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so we got to get good at knowing when to call bullshit, right? You gotta get better now and sooner. Right, so, so just maybe asking those questions a little bit sooner and those questions earlier are different than the questions you would ask when it shows up under commit or best case, right? Because now those que- you're at a different part of the sales cycle. So now the questions that you ask aren't so much about when is it coming in, when is it closing, but, um, you know, budget, maybe economic buyer champion. Um, are we getting access to the economic buyer? When is that? Um, and if they don't have answers to that, they either, either have not asked those questions or don't know it. It doesn't mean it's bullshit. It just means they just have to do a better job of, of surrounding that, that account. Love it. Good answer. Thank you. Number two, and this is our fan favorite. I get more feedback on this part of the rapid fire than anything else. I can't wait to get your take. When you're interviewing reps, favorite interview question at, or topic, and what are you looking for when you ask it? So um, I like to, to ask about a deal. Walk me through the entire a, a deal, you're, a win you're most proud of. Um, from front, front to back. 
and just not so much what they say, but how they say it, how they thought about the deal. I want to make sure that they've overcome some curveballs throughout the sales process, how they were able to do that. Every deal has a curveball, right? So that tells me they're, that gives me a glimpse into their, into their mentality, into their mind frame, into their sales process, into how they think about the deal. So that one question just says a lot about that one rep. Love it. The first question I was asked by my VP of sales in my first corporate sales job was, um, if you had to pick one person to have dinner with, who would it be? And man, and I was like early 20s. So I was thinking of these models and I was like, no, I can't say that. can't say this. can't say. So then I was like, oh, Pat Riley. And Showtime Lakers are the best MBT, NBA team ever, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Knicks fan, man. So Pat Riley, I was a big fan of when he was... And ironically, he was reading, like I saw his eyes light up. He was reading the Pat Riley book at that time. So it was just perfect. I've read and that book. Why, why is that, right? So that's, that's a good question too. And I, I, I explained, I was such a big Pat Riley fan that what he used to do to the Knicks during the, the summer league and the beginning of the season, would just tear him down, break him down, just make him go through all this stuff together. Um, so now when they start to build up, they're building that, that chemistry, the camaraderie, they get to work together. So I, I kind of related to that and I, I got the job. So that's, that's also a good question too, right? So if you had to have, if you had to have dinner with one person, who would it be, Rob? Who, who would it be for me? Wow. That's so good, dude. I haven't asked, you catch me off guard. Who would it be? <sighs> Your mind starts going to so many different places, right? Yeah, dude. I, I, uh, I, I, that's one that I should probably be prepared for. I, from a sports perspective, mine would be probably Michael Jordan, I think, uh, yeah. or maybe Dean Smith because he's my favorite coach. Uh, I, I think Abraham Lincoln would be fantastic because the way that he had to deal with those nasty issues and the decisions that he made would be killer. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man. Those are good questions. You got me, bro. You, you It's hard to shut me up, and you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm going to flip it around and ask my last question. Leaders are readers. And yeah. so we found that the best leaders have just, they just don't stop learning and they don't stop their journey. And I don't care if it's pages that you turn or audibles that you listen to, or if you're going to put it into bite-sized chunks with podcasts or blogs, anything that you'd suggest to our, our listeners that they add to their repertoire. So um, I read a book a long time ago. I don't know who wrote it, uh, but it, it, it's probably good for, for these times. Uh, how to sell when nobody's buying. Oh man, that is perfect for this time. Yeah, that is pretty good. Uh, and it, it taught me a lot of, and, and I was selling, but it just gave me a lot of good ideas. And it was, it was a few years ago. So it also talked about personal branding and things like that. And what, what it made me do is um, actually create a blog because our industry shift to a different, I guess, terminology so I would start to write about customer stories and how we would help without naming names. And just by going through that exercise of writing these stories on the blog, my game got so much sharper. And next time I was in, I was in front of a customer, these stories would just fly out of my mouth so perfectly. Um, so those little tips, same thing with the uh, ink that I haven't read yet, but I, I just picked that up. Um, nice. Who, who else? Um, Pitch Anything by Oren Clef. He just came up with a new, a new book. Flip the script, um, sales truth. Good ones. Appreciate it, man. Hey, this has been good. The time went by fast. We're, we're up on it, man. We've, we've covered a lot of stuff. Pretty general conversation today with just some, some things you've observed. I appreciate it, Paul. 
uh, you're going to have some people that are going to want to connect and want to maybe ask some other questions in better detail than maybe I did. Uh, how do people connect with you? How do they get more from you? If they want to pick up the conversation, how do they do that? So uh, that's a great question. You can come to my LinkedIn page, but we just launched a, um, a page on Bravado's website, bravado.co, C-O, and it's under a top one percenter. It's a new community cool. for me. We're now I'm, I'm putting all my LinkedIn content in one place. So if people want to know more about discovery, they could go to one place, know more about closing or presenting. And I'm going to start to put more videos up on that community, top one percenter on, on Bravado. All right. Well, I can say I follow you on LinkedIn and I, I get plenty of good stuff from you. I, I'll endorse that. I'll tell our listeners, if you're not following Paul, do it. He puts good stuff out there. It's a really good follow. Great guy. Terrific guy. Good at sales. Good, good family guy, the whole thing. So, uh, Paul, I want to thank you for joining us. I, I, I really appreciate you opening up the playbook a little bit and sharing some of the things that you're doing and, and things you're seeing. It's been helpful for every one of our listeners. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to remind each of you that I have developed a sales leadership seminar for your sales leadership team, and I want to share it with you for free. Yes, for free. After working with companies around the world during this COVID crisis, I found four levers that the most successful sales leaders are adjusting to create success. I've turned it into a, a leadership seminar, and it's an experience for your leaders that will motivate, inspire, and help you create more influence in your one-on-ones immediately. There are no strings or expectations. I just want to be as helpful to as many sales leaders as possible. I've shared this with a ton of companies around the world. The feedback has been amazing, and I really want to plug you into this experience. So hit me up. Now, back to Paul. Paul's a great sales leader to watch. I've had the opportunity to work with him at a couple of companies now, and this is a person that understands sales in a way many don't. In fact, I'd say most don't. Uh, I love his background. Uh, you know, This guy knows how to do the job and do it at a very high level. And so we covered a ton of topics in this conversation, and I could hone in on several things. And coming up with what I wanted to focus on was a little of a challenge because we had took such a broad kind of conversation. There's one topic I think that we hit that's really relevant to right now. Paul made a statement early that we came back to a couple times, and he said that in this environment that we're now in, the quote was, true salesmanship will stand out. And he is dead on. Paul went on to emphasize, I mean like really emphasize, the fundamentals, and he pointed out that the great salespeople are still having success, and many of the others are being exposed for having fundamental flaws in their approach. And I think he's right. Because sales hasn't changed. Uh, you know, customers still need to identify there's a problem we're solving. They need to understand the impact that can be created by solving it effectively. They need to identify that you're the best partner to help them solve the problem. And, and most of all, they've got to be willing to go secure the political and financial resources to make it happen. And all along the way, there are so many fundamentals in how you engage, in how you create value, in how you follow up, in how you share content, and so much more. As a sales leader, you need to ask yourself right now, what is your approach to developing skills at the individual level with each rep? Do you know what the plan is to help every rep on your team improve by whatever number, call it 10%? It sounds hard and it sounds time consuming and it can be. It takes commitment. It takes a, a willingness to, in, to invest in the individual that works on your team. 
But I'm going to tell you, there is nothing you can do that will help your team more than individualizing your approach to up-leveling each member of your team. So help them get connected with mentors. Help them build confidence. Celebrate even the small wins. Help them learn to be better intentionally rather than instinctually. I thought that was a super cool uh, distinction that Paul made about talking about winning you know, on purpose rather than just and improving rather than just using your instincts. Too many times we rely on these instincts instead of relying on intentionality. So the best time to get started on this is always now. It's like that old proverb, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday, the second best time is today. Take that approach to what you're doing with your reps. Ask yourself this, am I providing a well-lit pathway to success for each person? Do I know what they're working on? Do I know why that matters? How do you create as much influence as possible? I'm telling you that you, you know, I'm telling you, I've never seen the one-on-one be more impactful than it is right now. So I want to give you an offer to hit me up. I'd love to collaborate with you and help you with your one-on-one approach. In fact, I'm going to give you my email right now, and I hope as many people as possible blow up my inbox. It's rob at xvoyant.com. That's R-O-B at X-V-O-Y-A-N-T.com with requests to rethink the one-on-one. I'm telling you, I will brainstorm with you. I will give you some suggestions. I will share best practices. Let's help the one-on-one become great. So I want to thank Paul. Paul, you're awesome. Thank you for joining us. Congrats on your success, and thanks for sharing some of your insights. I love the content he shares on LinkedIn. And if you're not following him yet, fix that problem right now and go hook up with him. Most of all, I want to thank each of you, our listeners. The show is growing faster each week, and I can't thank you enough for the support and the shares. If you liked our show today with Paul, please, please, please head to iTunes, give us another five-star review, because this is the very best way for the show to grow and for me to continue to get access to the best sales leaders in the world. We've got a couple, we've got more good ones coming up. I can't wait for the next few episodes. Um, but for now, I wanted to say here's to returning to fundamentals. Make that part of your calling card as a leader. Sales is simple when it's done right. Don't look for silver bullets. Look for the fundamentals and help your team become great at them because they will thank you for it. I wish you all a fantastic week. And as always, don't worry, just execute because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com. <laughs>